This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, it's 7.07, Tuesday, the 5th of December, and you're listening to The Morning Run with Philip C, Anwar Mabo, and I'm Wong Xiaoning. In about 30 minutes, we'll be speaking about the Chinese property sector and some of the proposals that the government is introducing to actually prop it up. In the meantime, let's recap how global markets closed yesterday. For the Dow, it was down 0.1%. S&P 500 was down 0.5%. And Nasdaq was down 0.8%. However, for Asian markets, Nikkei was down 0.6%. Hang Seng closed down 1.1%. The Shanghai Composite was down 0.3%. STI was down 0.2%. And our very own FBM KLCI was down 0.4%. So red. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look like it was a good day, no matter where you were. So for some insights on where markets are heading, we speak to Joe Quinlan, Chief Market Strategist at the US Trust Bank of America, Private Wealth Management. Good morning, Joe. We have to ask you about markets. Why are they so nervous all of a sudden and in the red? That's a good question. I think today was some profit-taking, actually. I talked to some hedge, fund, hedge funds and they came out of November doing very well. So there's a little profit-taking. There's a little concern about geopolitical risk and so forth. So I would put it down to profit-taking because I think the Santa Claus rally still has legs. So don't, don't bail just yet because I think we're going higher between now and year end. Okay, so we are basically – it doesn't really matter whether the Fed is going higher for longer, even as we head into 2024? I mean, it, it matters, and we're looking at the employment number on Friday. The Fed meets next week, and I should add, you know, there's a lot of Fed speak last week. It was confusing. I just wish they would stop talking because it's confusing people. It, it really, it's really, it's it's negative. It's not additive. So I think there's enough nervousness. So, but you know, inflation is coming down pretty rapidly here in the United States, particularly goods inflation as the supply chains break out, come back to where they should be. So. I think all messages, all we're getting some nervousness here until we get to the Fed December meeting next week. Now, it isn't just equities that are rising. Bond prices have also recovered and real estate stocks are moving upward. Even with Bitcoin has rebounded, how would you explain this everything, everywhere, all at once surge in cross-asset values? Well, honestly, I can't. And that worries me. Even Bitcoin, gold, equities, bonds doing well. It was a November to remember, but you know December could be different in that sense. Um, it just gives you that animal spirits. But here's a good number. I mean, it's amazing. As much as the these assets have moved, there's still 5.8 trillion. That's with a T trillion dollars in money market funds. 5.8 trillion money market funds actually increased last month. So there's a lot of dry powder out there to have the stars aligned to push us forward and higher. But we need a lot of things to go right, whether it's Oil prices, the Fed keeping on course for lower interest rates. The markets might be too aggressive, thinking the Fed's going to cut by you know spring. So we're, we're priced for perfection, so be careful here. But once we get that pullback, you want to be in the market and be buyers. Well, the question is, the $5.8 trillion question is, where will that money flow through, right? Or will it just stay put at money markets? That's a great question. We we're asking a lot of clients. I mean, a lot of folks want to come back into equities, but here's the problem. The U.S. election in less than a year away, that could be an inhibitor for more risk on. So we're hearing a lot from our clients that, yes, we'll be in the market up until, like, say, June, July of next year, and then we might pull back. 
Now, you can't time it. You can't. A lot of things can happen, obviously, between now and then. But I do think even if we start out 2024 in, in a good you know, upward momentum, we might lose some steam until we get to the election. So how should we play this, Joel? What should we buy? In, you know, let's get specific here. <laughs> uh, no, I like that. I like that question. Um, buy cybersecurity leaders, defense. We still like energy. I know COP28 is underway. But it's still a fossil fuel-driven global economy. It's going to take t- time to make that transition. I would buy the cyclicals because I do think that the U.S. economy is ready to reset. I think the global economy is ready to reset. I think China is going to reflate next year. I think China disappointed this year, but they're going to over they're going to overcompensate for in 2024. So we're warming up to the emerging markets, Malaysia included, Southeast Asia, because I think with a weaker dollar, more reflation. Reset in the United States, Fed lowering rates, emerging markets could have their day next year. Now, for Eurozone inflation fell to 2.4% November, the lowest in over two years. Has the ECB achieved its inflation target yet with this number? And how will this influence monetary policy direction at the next meeting? I mean, they're not there just yet. The problem with the ECB is that maybe they've peaked with the ECB, the rate hikes. But they're in recession, so they're a different kettle of fish from, say, here in the United States. So inflation is coming down. It's a little stickier with energy prices. But they're in recession, technically speaking, in reality as well. So I expect the ECB to be more, a little more dovish here. But EC, the Europe in general has a bigger hole to climb out of than, say, even China and or the U.S. or the Southeast Asia. So, like, you know, they're, they're the weakest link of the global economy. So I expect interest rates to come down or stay where they are, ECB to kind of pull back, be more dovish as we go deeper into 2024. But at the same time, the European markets haven't done too badly. If you look at the DAX, it's up 18 percent. The CAC is up 14 percent. What explains this, even though yeah. the European economy seems to be the, the sick man in the room? It is a sick man in the room, for sure. Here, here, here's the conundrum. A lot of the, say, the DAX 30, those big companies in the DAX or the CACs, even the FTSE, they're globally leveraged, and they're leveraged principally to the U.S. The U.S. is the strongest economy in the world. Consumption is expanding. So, you know, really that, that European solid performance in equities is due to the U.S. I know the U.S. loves to take credit for everything, but we're <laughs> going to take credit for that one, too. So it's it's because those companies, you know, Mercedes, BMW, Siemens, I mean, nothing's going too right in Europe. A lot of things are going have gone right in the U.S. So their profit margins have really reflected the robustness of the U.S. economy offsetting the weakness in Europe. And, and China has weighed on Germany as well, but U.S. has offset that softness in China. And I mean, 2024 seems the year where we start seeing rate hikes all around the world. Perhaps the only exception is Japan, where we could see the reverse. I mean, the rate cuts? Rate cuts, sorry. Rate, yeah. Um, that, that's kind of, that's the scenario we're painting right now. But remember, everything that's printed right now about how 2024 is going to like shape up and shape out, forget it. It's going to be wrong. You know that, right? I mean, by, by February 1st, the script, we throw out the script. We're spending a lot of time writing about 2024, and like by by mid January, it's like, oh my god. Um, Japan is the, we have a lot of bullish uh, sentiment on Wall Street around Japan. I'm surprised, uh, in the sense that you know it, it's been beaten up, it's undervalued. They're starting more inflation, more nominal GDP growth. Uh, I, I'm still show me. I'm in that show me camp 
uh, when it comes to Japan. So, yes, there's potential for Japan out for. I really think China will outperform Japan next year because I think I think China realizes they've got to really get the bazooka out and start stimulating. And I do think that'll be a catalyst for more upside for China versus Japan. All right. Thank you so much for your time. That was Joe Quinn, Chief Market Strategist at the U.S. Trust Bank of America, Private Wealth Management, ending the conversation that it's time for China to shine. Uh, the reflation story is there. Government is doing enough. Looks like consumers will be back spending. There will be confidence. Of course, the market has, hasn't done well at all. If I look at the uh, Shanghai Composite, it's down 2.5%. Even Hang Seng Index, which is a good way of buying China, is down 16% on a year-to-date basis. And, and conversely, Joe is very pessimistic with Europe. I think uh, yeah. the situation is Europe doesn't look so good. They are likely to blink first, right, with the rate cut. Who will follow next? Yeah. Will there be symmetry in that? So I'm glad to hear about him saying about money come back to emerging markets. So risk on. Yeah, that's provided the US corrects. Yes. Okay, so as it's this, it's when you look at funds, when you when you know you look at investing, it's all about relative, right? So who's doing better than other than you? And the money will flow into the markets which are looking a little bit more robust. The economy is there. And yeah, maybe it's time for emerging markets to do well, provided the US dollar weakens. And the US dollar will only weakens, will weaken if the rest of the world actually, like China improves, our economy improves. And finally, the US, that's that so-called soft landing, which never seems to happen, actually. Never. Never, ever. It's still flying. That's the yeah. problem. It hasn't landed yet. Never. It's still cruising, unfortunately. It's been talked about for like 18 months. I'm still waiting. This is the plane. Like, it's, it's been heading delayed. to the sun, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Well, as long as it's not Icarus and Burns, right? <laughs> okay, let, in the meantime, let's talk about something which is falling, which is gold. Uh, prices is are now at 78 US dollars a barrel for brand crude. Down Oil, three, yeah, brand crude down 3.1%. What explains this? Now, oil prices fell on Monday amid persistent pressure from the OPEC Plus decision and uncertainty over global demand. So last Thursday... Oil prices fell more than 2% after supply cuts by OPEC+. Plus. This was together with concerns on sluggish global manufacturing activity, rising geopolitical tensions, increase in US oil production, and mixed signs on Chinese economy. I mean, I think the issue here is just there's a lack of conviction to make really proper broad-based cuts. Everything seems very mismatched, kind of mixed, you know, no clear com- joint commitment from everybody, right? So I think that's why the issue here being that the nature of the cuts, which were voluntary, I think really raised doubts about its implementation about how serious are they in trying to drive some stability in oil that's why it's always on this downward pressure okay so the uh energy minister for saudi arabia did do an interview with bloomberg and he did say that opec plus cuts can absolutely stay past march and despite this confirmation it didn't, at least, help. It didn't help at all all prices still remain at uh, Brent crude, like I said, seventy-eight US dollars a barrel, down one percent just on this overnight. So I, I wonder whether a lot of it is just a lot driven by demand, and also just the the realization that renewable energy, especially since COP twenty-eight is happening as we speak. Is here to stay. Yeah. I think one of the clear things that came out from COP28 was this whole push for renewable energies. And you're seeing some crystallization over the targets, right, to triple Mm. renewable energy uh, usage and utility going forward. So perhaps that's what you see. You also hear from uh, from the ECB, the plan, or from Ursula von der Leyen, that the goal is to make sure that emissions peaks at 2025. So I think those things are also driving sentiment with respect to crude oil prices. So you've got policy there. 
right? And then you also have corporates making a lot of commitment in terms of renewable energy. We even hear, we'll hear our own Tanaga at 9.30 about their commitments. So it's it's clearly a rollout that's happening globally. Uh, let's turn our attention to one US corporate who's also not doing so well. And that is, well, it's actually not a US corporate, it's a Swedish corporate, I think. Yeah. It's Spotify. Uh, they are announcing job cuts as much as one-fifth of its workforce. So this was in order to bring down costs and become consistently profitable after spending aggressively to expand beyond music streaming into areas like podcasting. Now, this company did over-employ during the COVID season. So now they're also cutting costs and also cutting workforce. Maybe the problem is that they employed Kim Kardashian, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle <laughs> in the process. That's the problem. That was the wrong employment. Okay, but do you, did you all, all enjoy your wrap-ups? Did you all look at them to see what you listened to the most in the year? How many hours you spent on Spotify? Were you shocked? No comment. I hope the top podcast, by the way, was The Breakfast Grill, Grill, okay? Let's see everybody. Like, (laughs) that should be your number one ranking. Maybe it's thrifty, though. No, podcast, podcast, not top songs. (laughs) Uh, Up next, we'll cover the top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.